HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. How do you build better restaurant tech? How about using an actual, working, real-life restaurant as your R&D lab? It's an interesting story on this episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners, tuning in from 65 countries around the world, about a million strong every month. Today, they're tuning into Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And we have a really interesting lineup today. We have some tech, some restaurants using tech, how they develop it, and uh, Hopefully some, some interesting stories and how-tos that will be helpful for independent restaurant folks out there listening. But we will start the show like we always do, going around the shipping container, introducing everyone so you can put a name to the voice as we talk about apps. What's your favorite app? What's the old classic that's been on your home screen for 10 years? What's the new thing you've just discovered? And the only rule is, I'm looking at you, Laura... <laughs> That you're not allowed to talk about an app that you work for, invest in, or own. But we'll start like we always do with Mission Control, our engineer and the Heritage Radio Network studio manager, David Tatashore, the man who keeps everything on the air, live and running. That's me. Hello. How are you? Doing good. How about you? Doing pretty good. I see all the green lights flashing and everything's happening back there, so I'm feeling Yeah, I'm things feeling are good. spinning. Yeah. Wheels are turning. Lots of steam. It's steam-powered in here. <laughs> um, but anyway, my app is not steam-powered. It is digital. And, that would be uh, amazing if you had a steam-powered app, by the well, way. I, I'm sure somebody's working on it. Some steampunk fanatic somewhere. Probably. Uh, my app today is, you know, right up my uh, audio alley. It's called Tambor, and it is just a basic, like, audio editing app. Um, so you can do simple things like you know, cut two files together. Like, so I could do really quick things on the fly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't employ it for the, uh, the delicate work that we do here at heritage radio necessarily, but in a, in a pinch, it's, it's great for that sort of thing. So it's not broadcast quality. I couldn't be sort of cutting together my own best of episodes. Using well, actually it. I think you could, you could, I mean, if, if I had a choice, I would want to do it 
on a computer, but but this certainly would would work in a pinch. Okay. Maybe I'll give it a try. We do, for people listening who are interested in compilation episodes, have a very exciting Best of Apps episode coming up next week, which I did not cut on an app on my phone. David did proper in the studio. Indeed. Okay, that's a good one. Timbre. Laura, do you have an app that you like? This is Laura Englander. She is with Square and Caviar. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming out. Um, so my favorite app right now is one called Insight Timer. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I have not heard of it. So it has a bunch of different meditations that you can use at any time. Um, it's actually free, and they have ones of all different lengths. So you can do it before a big meeting. You can do it to fall asleep. Um, and they're from all around the world, so you get some different accents in there, and it's, it's nice to use. So insight being the meditation and timer being, it tells you when. The are length, they I are they guided meditations? They are. They okay, are. I'm not familiar with it. We we've had a lot of mentions of Headspace. Yes. On the show. Yes. Um, which people like a lot. Yes, I've used that as well. Okay, but you prefer this one? Um, I like it because there's a lot of variety. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll give it a look. I, I like the meditation apps. Yeah. I also like the irony of using technology to disconnect. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> also visiting us today, we have Charles Belilis, who is the CEO and founder of a restaurant group in San Francisco, Sluva. Charles, do you have an app that you like right now? Uh, I do. Uh, and thank you for having uh, me and uh, Tony here. But uh, well, we're taking the opportunity of you visiting east coast yes. so we're glad that it worked out and we're glad that we had a slot for you yeah it's uh solely to be here um so we have a kind of a suite of apps believe it or not that we kind of use to power the business um certainly that i use on a, on a daily basis my favorite is actually it's going to sound a little strange um but it, it is a lighting app um so i've kind of hacked the Lutron app, uh, which is a company that makes light switches. Um, so all of our light switches in, in all of the restaurants are connected to, to the local network there. Um, and so it, it kind of solved the problem for me because when I started, after we opened the first location, um, about a year in, I started to spend a little bit less time on the floor. And I think as any restaurateur, you know, thinks or a restaurant operator, it's lighting is pretty critical. Uh, Lighting is extremely important and it's very underrated and people don't talk about it too much. But there are legendary lighting people and lighting setups, even in New York City. John George's lighting guy is famous. The lighting at Houston's is famous. Mm -hmm. Um, And if anybody wonders why we're talking about it, think about when, you know, think about the last time you went to a restaurant and think about how you felt when you were sitting in the restaurant and you were looking at the people around you. There are certain restaurants that have this like perfect, almost like gloaming magic hour light to them where it's not too bright, but not too dark. And everybody just looks good and glowing and maybe a little bit younger and kind of sexy. And you don't have to take your phone out to read a menu or, or that kind of thing. And that sort of like magical light is intentional and takes effort. It takes a lot of effort. It generally takes a lot of money. People, <laughs> people spend tens of thousands of dollars on lighting engineers and designers and that's just for the programming that's not even for the actual and it makes you feel better when you're sitting in a space and you look around and everything just like looks great and magical and you don't even realize it but it contributes to the positivity of your restaurant experience for sure uh especially for us because the restaurant is open all day and all night well not all night but 11 a.m to 10 p.m so we have to kind of program for you know sunrise sunset all that stuff so so the big thing for me when i was we were opening First of all, I didn't have tens of thousands of dollars to spend on a lighting engineer. Do you, do you have um, that money now? No. Um, <laughs> we still use this system. Um, but I was constantly fiddling with, with the lights when I was on the floor because you want, you know, when the sun's going down, you want to, you know, adjust for, for, all, for all that stuff. And um, So this is something that's designed actually for home use, um, you know, so you can control the lights in your house from your phone. Um, but it's hacked in a way that we, all the restaurants have this set up and I've programmed them based on generally either time of day or according to sunrise or sunset. 
Um, so now the lighting automatically adjusts itself. So I don't have to be in the restaurants to know that, that the lighting is correct at a certain time of day. Um, and that, that works both for the sort of the guest experience, what you were talking about, uh, but then also for like, you know, security purposes or whatever, if we need lights to turn full bright for the cleaning crew to come in to do their thing overnight. And, or we just want, you know, and, or for energy conservation as well. You know, if we know we're not going to be in this space at this time, the lights will automatically turn off. So we don't have to worry about people accidentally leaving the lights on. So well, that's great. Do you cool. have a, an override for spontaneity? Like if yep. all of a sudden it gets really dark or if the power goes out or you unexpectedly have to turn the lights on to well, the, know, signal the, to people the party's over and it's time to go home? The great thing is that they're, they're also just conventional light switches as well. <laughs> so that if you need to, we have them you know, behind a little, a little cabinet so you can't like lean into them or bump into them. But yeah, if you need to turn so the lights on. You can always go old school. You can always go old school switch. and just flick the switch. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's fascinating. Hacking uh, something for one use to the next. It also, you know, I've noticed I use the I use the bedtime app on my iPhone, which basically you set the time you want to wake up, how many hours of sleep you want to get, and then it tells you when it's time to go to bed. So it gives you an alarm oh, interesting. that you're 30 minutes out from when you should be in bed. And then it also programs the nighttime lighting onto your phone. So as soon as it your alarm goes off that it's 30 minutes to bedtime, it takes down the luminosity on your phone and switches it to that like sort of more amber bedtime oh, yeah. light, which yeah. is supposed to be less of an interference with your circadian rhythm. Yeah. That's I switched that up on my phone uh, pretty recently. So, so I mean, helpful. does it work? Yeah, it, it <laughs> works. You notice falling asleep and no, I mean, you know, it, it reminds you like, Oh yeah, I wanted to go to bed at this time yeah. to get this much sleep. Um, and I like a lot of sleep. I love sleep. I like to get a lot of sleep. So it's helpful. It kind of works. It kind of works. So that was the voice of Tony Cervoni, who is the chef of Sluva. Do you have an app that you're using right now that you like? Um, I like, uh, I mean, obviously with our present company, uh, like Caviar, uh, or any food that you can get with a push of a button. I find I spend a lot of time on it, like uh, almost like a social media Carousing menus and so you're window shopping on them. Oh my you're gosh, not using yeah. you're not using it when you window get home shopping after and then I find myself shift. getting hungry and then I'll just buy food at random just to try <laughs> food because so you're kind of like R and D yeah and then yeah and then spontaneous based on the just eating all day long okay spending a lot of money for R and D purposes all R and D purposes Back. not for my nutritional value right <laughs> on the corporate card no <laughs> good answer. And thanks, Tony. No. Yeah. Um, no, but I find it, you know, with people, their days are they're, they're working longer and it's a little more accessible instead of calling a restaurant and having to drive down and pick it up. Now, pretty much anything can get delivered to your door. Um, and it kind of is very easy. So The amazing thing is that living in New York City, you've always been able to get anything delivered yeah. to your door. Which Pretty is, much, which is not the case in, in, in San Francisco. Yeah. Which is not the case outside of New York City. So the whole, you know, delivery and all these types of things catching up, and then the advent also of just delivery via, you know, UPS and FedEx, a la Amazon, and all that kind of stuff is is relatively new. But in New York City, I feel like we've been spoiled for a really long time, where you could get anything delivered to your door even before the internet. Anyway. let's get to let's get to the subject of the show. I met Charles a few years ago at a tech table conference, and we were talking, not surprisingly, about restaurants and restaurant tech. And the thing that really interested me about Charles and his story is that at the time, this was back in 2014, he had just opened the first Suvla, and now I believe you have three. Correct. One of the things that we hear quite a bit on this show and we hear quite a bit in the news is that if you're a single small, independent restaurant operator. Technology is challenging. It's overwhelming. Uh, you don't have a lot of resources on your own. How do you trawl through what the best things are? What's going to work? What's not going to work? How do you have the time to do it? Can it actually be something you can engage with in your restaurant and have it still be economically viable? We have so many people who come on the show who say, I'm a single restaurant operator. I, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. Charles, I think, is a little bit of an anomaly in that he's using all the technology 
at all of his places, but that he also started off in an R&D relationship with Square, where they were sending folks to work in the restaurant to actually test the product in a real-life scenario. And that's something that's also very interesting. So it's been you know a couple years in the making, waiting for a trip to New York City to get him into the booth to talk about this. But Charles, if you could just sort of walk us through at the very beginning when you were opening, you know, as you talked about you know hacking things and budgets and all of that, this is something that you know I think so many restaurant owners and independent business owners can really benefit from the use of tech. But I think there's a, a huge overwhelming piece to it. And I think there's also a misconception that it's not affordable also. So take us back to when you were just opening one restaurant. Sure. Um, so we opened the first Suvla in April of 2014. And I, I think it's kind of important to recognize both um, kind of how I came up in the business with respect to tech, uh, because I had spent the past almost decade um, running other people's restaurants, using all of the sort of legacy point-of-sale systems, your microses and alohas of, of the world that were, even back then, pretty antiquated. And so in putting Sula together, I knew in my mind that I didn't want to have to rely on these just dinosaur systems that were built on you know tech older than I was that were not super reliable and were also incredibly expensive. Um, Suvla was a, the, the first at least was a, a, a pretty heavily bootstrapped operation. So I needed to kind of find, I, I knew that I didn't want to do, I didn't want to rely on, on a legacy point of sale system. And I knew that I didn't have the capital to invest in that either. Um, and then the restaurant itself is a fine, casual Greek concept. Correct. So it's not a tasting menu situation no. where you're having, you know, two or $300 check averages. Right. It's it's counter service. So yeah, you order the counter, you get your number. You're either waiting to have it you know brought to you to take to go, or you sit down. Um, it's all open seating. There's no reservations. And what's the capacity? Just so people can get a sense of the sure. operation. The first the first restaurant is a thousand square feet all in. Um, that's front back sideways. Um, there's a we've somehow crammed about forty two seats in there. <laughs> the dining the dining room is maybe four hundred square feet. Um, Plus or minus, and there's uh, there's some outside seating as well. Okay. Um, and that's with all that now. I mean, that's a restaurant that averages about 750 covers a day, and we'll do about a thousand on on the weekend. And of course, that's uh, that's a mix of in store to go and delivery. Um, but with with the tech, it, it's also kind of important. Just in terms of I fundamentally do not, and I don't want to say the word, but do not think of myself as a millennial. I kind of just missed that that kind of uh, cutoff, but I'm also now in my mid-30s growing up, have, have kind of grown up with sort of the rise of tech, so it was something that I've always been comfortable with. I didn't, like, you know, I still remember the days that, you know, where there was no internet and there were no cell phones, but I also am pretty pretty savvy, I guess, with comfortable that. In comfortable space. Comfortable is probably a better word than savvy. Um, so I, I, I know enough to be probably dangerous. Um, so what was interesting, Suvla took about five years from, from idea to, to reality, to opening. So I had a lot of time to do a lot of research. Um, and, I, and again, I knew I didn't want to do the legacy point of sale thing. This was right around the time, 2010, 11, the rise of sort of the iPad just as a, as a product, but then the iPad point of sale system. Um, and everyone was kind of just saying, this is going to be the next thing. And so there was a lot of, there were a lot of people getting into that space and I was kind of just trying to figure out who's going to kind of rise to the top because with with most of the tech stuff there's a lot of people that get in and then they kind of fade away and if I, like if I'm going to make this investment not less less so from a financial standpoint but more just energy and all that it's it's hard to know sometimes also which of the new companies are real legitimate right. have product are going to survive how did you navigate your way through all the different choices? Because that was also a period of time where we were starting to see um, the open table competitors and all the payment apps, you know, to sort of Uberize your, your restaurant experience. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple at the time, and I, um, uh, I was helping some friends open uh, their restaurant. This is a couple years before we opened ours, but 
and there was one there was another competitor to Square who we ultimately went with that I was kind of it was kind of between Square and and and, um, and this other product Revel, and I kind of convinced them to use Revel because I wanted to see how it was going to fare um, in their restaurant and. That was a, a, a big struggle um, for so you them. Used your friends is R and D. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, Do they know that? Are they listening? No, I hope they're not listening. Okay. <laughs> um, it's really early in San Francisco, so true. maybe they're not. Exactly. Especially for restaurant people. That's right. It's like eight o'clock. That's right. They're probably so, having coffee or yeah, sleeping. For sure. The other thing that was super important with with this, and I guess everything started with Square and the and the point of sale as far as our um, embracing tank. But the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough with respect to restaurant tech is actually the uh, aesthetic of the product. Um, I had spent so much time visualizing and designing the restaurant, and I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like, and colors, and fixtures, and, and touch points, and, and all, and, you know... Lighting. Lighting, of course, um, mm-hmm. and finishes. And I didn't want to have this, like, bulky point-of-sale system sitting on top of a counter and and... You know, trying to preach to, to our team the importance of hospitality and, 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 and the warm greeting and all that stuff, but instead of having someone hiding behind some, like, huge screen and not being able to interact with with the guest. Um, and that was the other thing that kind of really drew me to Square, is just the fact that as, as a piece of tech, it actually looks very nice um, and happens to match our aesthetic with with the white and everything and just as as far as like the user interaction with it it was very seamless just being able to like swivel the stand around and you know sign your name with your finger and also is small enough that and we have it kind of all recessed so there's no wires or anything like that it's super clean um and then from from a from a cost standpoint uh i mean the stand itself is they've probably raised the price now but it's at the time it was a hundred bucks um which when you think about trying to put in a a a legacy terminal, those, those are like five grand. Um, and then it's an iPad. And like worst case scenario, it's like iPad breaks, you just get another iPad. It's not, yeah, they're not, they're whatever, five, six hundred bucks, but they're, it's not like you have to ins- install a whole new system again, you know? So at that point then, swapping in new tech for old tech, it was already systems that you needed to have anyway. So you were making just a more modern choice that actually wound up being more cost effective because even though the setups were new and an iPad seems expensive, it was actually less expensive than putting in all the old terminals and systems. Correct. Okay, so maybe people would be surprised that the new thing is is not as expensive as the old thing. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no um, subscription. I mean, I think with, with those other systems, you're, you're paying a considerable, considerable amount of money every month just to operate the whole system. Um, and then, of course, on the back end, there's the whole kind of credit card processing thing, um, which it just Square just makes it super easy. You it's know? a flat fee, right? It's a flat fee. You can take everything. Which you know, maybe listeners at home who are not uh, business owners or operators may not realize is all of the variations in your credit cards. You know, the airline points card. You know, the Amex different color card. The you know your local bank card. Your preferred, you know, shopping card, all of those credit cards, even though you think it's a Visa, a MasterCard and an Amex, for every permutation of the card, there's a permutation of a fee, a percentage for the restaurant. So if they take Visa, they could have, you know, 500 different Visa lines for what the fees are with, you know, 500 different Visa cards. So having a single flat rate going through one vendor makes it infinitely very, very easy and also easier to calculate in your bookkeeping. For sure. It's all, it's all kind of flowing through, through one service provider, basically. And then I, I just as a, not only as someone, as like I personally am a, am a big Amex user, um, but just as on... For the on, points. Of course. How do you think <laughs> I flew here? Um, but also I think just as a, as a business owner, you know, I, I you know, if someone wants to give us money, I'm not going to stop them, you know, and, and it's, I, I don't want to deny if someone comes in and is like, Oh, we don't take Amex. It's just like, no, of course we take everything. It just, you know, so it just, it makes it very, very easy. Um, we kind of considered, you know, we've been kicking around the whole notion of, of going cashless and I don't think we're there yet. I don't think people are there yet, but, um, you know, for us, it just, you know, we, it's, it's, it's one processor, you know, so we just, 
you know, people kind of lament the, the credit card fee. It's the cost of doing business. You know, you just, you just budget it in. And speaking of the cost of doing business, we're going to take a break right now and listen to who is the underwriter for this show. The cost of doing business at heritageradionetwork.org is entirely supported by our listeners, members, and underwriters because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So listen to who's supporting us this week and think about maybe you can support us next week. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. Do you have a piece of food tech you'd like us to talk about? We are very interactive. You can reach out to us on email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We're on social media, Tech Bytes HRN on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We would love to hear what your favorite app is, a food tech idea you have for a show, or maybe you are a business owner or a tech entrepreneur and you'd like to be on the show. You never know. We're booking fall 2017, so get in touch. Today's food tech innovators are Charles Bilalis and Tony Cervoni. They are both from Suvla, which is a restaurant group out in San Francisco. You can find them at sluvasf.com. That's S-O-U-V-L-A-S-F.com. They are also Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sluvasf. It's Greek. They've been around since 2014. The menu looks amazing. I haven't been. They have a lot of spit-fire-roasted meats and sandwiches and frozen yogurt. It sounds idyllic. And also joining us today is Laura Englander from... Square and Caviar. If you want to find out more about what they do, squareup.com, S-Q-U-A-R-E-U-P. You can also find them at Square across social media or at TriCaviar. TriCaviar.com is the website. They are primarily delivery food, which a lot of people have probably checked out and heard. And if you've ever been in a store um, where they have a little phone and it has a little white plastic square on it and they swipe your credit card right there. That's the square we're talking about. So we are just talking to Charles about when he was opening up his first shop in 2014, how he was working through the different uh, tech that he would need for the restaurant, and he installed Square as the point of sale. And tell us then how the relationship happened where they started using your restaurant as R&D, which is fascinating and not something you hear every day, but also very smart because so often we hear tech companies talking about how they're going to do all these great thing, things for restaurants without ever actually running restaurants. <laughs> so we have a very unique uh, and very special relationship with Square. And part of that is just, is the fact that their their headquarters is a ten minute walk away from our original restaurant. 
So when we started working with them before we opened, you know, that's how that, that uh, relationship started. And before Square put in their uh, cafeteria, we probably fed more Square employees than any other restaurant in the area. Um, and the whole notion of, of Square using the restaurant as an R&D facility was actually, at my request, is probably too light of a word. I would probably say demand. Um, <laughs> Because How both does a customer demand R&D in their space? Well, I mentioned that we have a very special relationship, uh, the Square folks and I, and, and by nature, the fact that we fed so many, like, so you many Square employees every day. Every day. The yeah, they have their little like, work ID badges. You always know who a, a Square employee was. Interesting. I'm, I'm sure they probably get some sort of a discount because they're using, uh, if they work for, I don't know, Laura can probably comment on that or maybe can't comment on that. But... Um, but they obviously wanted to support businesses that r- use their product. Is, is that part of the company culture? Do you have a list of restaurants using it and businesses, and you're encouraged to go and support them? We certainly know who our biggest fans are and, and like to support them, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So just by nature of seeing so many, of, and, and, and we're very fortunate with, with Suvla that um, we get an awful lot of repeat business, just a lot of people that are just like, just crave the product and, and we see two, three, four, five days a week. Um, and I think for the square employees, it's a nice 10 minute walk. It's out of the office. Um, so I started to kind of get to know. A and you lo- were at the restaurant all the time when yeah, you opened. Yeah. I mean, I opened and closed that restaurant every day for probably the first nine months to a year. Um, so I got to interact with a lot of more senior folks at square. Um, Jack included. Um, Who is Jack. Jack Dorsey is the founder of both Twitter and Square. So um, so both the Square product and the Suvla product were fairly new um, at, at, at the time. Um, and we were both sort of collectively figuring out a lot of things. Um, obviously, the resources at Suvla were not the resources at Square. Um, I didn't have an office with 700 people in it. I had a very small team of probably about 15. But you had um, the snacks. But I had the snacks. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the wine and yeah. the beer. And the product has certainly evolved considerably over the past three and a half years. But I was always quick to point out to anybody that was in, if something wasn't doing what I needed it to do, um, I've always been pretty vocal and pretty transparent um, and probably have a, 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 a reputation for that within Square and probably Caviar. And so from we, we were with various issues uh, in products, be it Register and other things, Caviar included. I would be pretty frequently giving feedback, and because there wasn't really a person who came from the restaurant world on, in either of those teams, um, and because Suvla did or does the volume that it does, we probably had experience issues that weren't found with other merchants, um, so we were kind of a very unique use case, and it kind of got to a point where you know, so, something would happen or, you know, the app would crash or whatever. And it's like, well, y- you know, I can tell you that the app has crashed and you can take that feedback to the engineering team and figure out what's going on. But I but I want you to feel the stress of the app crashing Friday at lunchtime when there's a line 30 people deep and you can't use the system because it just went down and you're in the middle of taking someone's order. I want you to feel... Feel the pain. Feel 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 that pain. You know when like the the printer interface doesn't work, and all of a sudden you've taken twenty orders, and nothing is printed to the to the kitchen. And then you're looking at a, a dining room full of people holding numbers, and you have no tickets for them. You know, um, I want you to f- I want you to experience that for yourself to just know what that stress is because there's no worse feeling. And so and so we've done. You know, we've obviously we've come a long way. Obviously, the product is very robust now. We've we've spent years kind of working on the, the sort of stress testing, but bringing in, you know, we had the head of product for Register in. We had, you know, with with respect to Caviar and just trying to figure out that that kind of flow. Um, my my favorite caviar story. Uh, one of my favorite caviar stories was was the the sort of restaurant caviar guy that we were working with at the time, um, who we had a great relationship with, and is actually now here in New York. Um, we were like, hey, listen, man, it's like you have to see what this looks like. You have to come in at night and see like our counter full of 
to-go bags with waiting for caviar orders and just like the madness of the caviar people coming in. Right. Because it's that, all numbers it's on all, a sheet exactly, to them at the exactly. office. And like, this is great that we're doing all this business, but we need to figure out the right way to streamline this, this process. And so, so it's like, I need you to, like, I want you to come in and work. It's like, I need you here at five o'clock and the uniform is khaki pants and a white Oxford shirt. And this is, this is very much like a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy. Right. Uh, literally had to go out and buy <laughs> the first time he's ever had to like buy like a white button down shirt. And it was just, and it showed up with it like in still in the package from the store. And it was, it was like a very, very sweet moment. Um, so, but again, having bringing these people in and whether it's from Square Caviar or some of our, some of our other tech partners and actually having them see firsthand. It's very different numbers on a spreadsheet and a computer totally. and the wrath of 50 hungry people who yeah. are waiting for their food. Yeah. And everybody's been on that line waiting and having their like anger and demand kind of grow. But fewer people have been on the flip side in the kitchen. Right. To point... Um, Jason Wang, who's the original founder of Caviar before it got purchased by Square, was on episode one of Tech Bytes in January 2015, and it was the Forbes 40 Under 40 episode. And Jason's story is very similar to a lot of the food and restaurant tech founders where he is a consumer. He was at work. He wanted the food from the restaurant he wanted, but they didn't have delivery. So he figured out a way to solve his problem as a diner. And most of the restaurant tech that we see are people who are consumers who are engaging with restaurants who are then solving a problem that will make their dining experience better, but then necessitates some sort of infrastructure change or enhancement on the operational side. I'll ask, um, Laura, is this a uh, a fairly common practice of, of having employees come back in to restaurants and work the line during the dinner rush? Cause it's pretty intense in any restaurant. Sure. So, I mean, as Charles mentioned, we definitely have a special relationship with Suvla. Um, but it is something that we try to do quite often, really put ourselves in the shoes of the restaurants with whom we partner or even the couriers who fulfill our delivery orders. Um, in the New York office specifically, we actually all do courier runs a couple times a quarter just to see how the app is working, what that experience looks like. Um, and then with our restaurant partners in particular, um, with both Square and Caviar, we really do try to get into the restaurant and and work either front of house or back of house and see what's working. Um, you know, you might know that our mission as a company for both Square and Caviar is to make commerce easy. Well, we don't know if we're doing that unless we can actually see it firsthand. Have you been on some of those delivery runs or worked in the kitchens? I've done both and front of house as well. So what was the most surprising thing about it? Good or bad, ugly, positive? What what happened that you were just like, wow, I did not expect that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Charles spoke to this, but but back of house when the tickets are coming in, especially at a restaurant that does really high volume, both in-house and through delivery, that back of house experience can be pretty crazy. So all of the tickets coming in, you have to you have to organize them based on, um, you know, where those guests are and, and prioritize accordingly. Um, and then just making sure everything gets bagged and staged and passed off to the right career. It really is um, oftentimes a pretty crazy experience experience. So Tony, as the chef running the operation, how is it when you have people come into your kitchen and your space? Do you kind of really let them go and, and get into the weeds and tread or do you help we, them out a little bit? Or We tend to just have them observe kind of our operation and what, what we prioritize and how we prioritize. And, um, you know, with essentially we're the, the, we, we are waiting for this technology to work. So we're just waiting for these tickets to come in. And if, We've had a couple uh-oh moments where one of the runners will walk into the kitchen and the guys are just, like, waiting. And they're like, there's five people, couriers out here. Where, why is the caviar, you know, where's all the caviar food? And there's no tickets coming in. So we've had some crashes at times. Um, and we've also found the way that people are ordering now is different through caviar with the different types of modifiers. And people will, in the office, pass around the iPad to do their certain orders. And it'll just be... 72 orders well, in well, one order. But just, it'll be, everyone is different. They're all snowflakes, and they're all <laughs> unique in the way, you know, no cheese, no meat. We have four items on our menu, and they can either be a salad or a sandwich. How many permutations is that, like 12,005? I, mean, I mean, we've had we've had a 70-order, like, ticket that literally all of them were different. 
That's, um, it's actually the caviar office order, believe it or not. That, yeah, not that's... to not to throw caviar, in the, but it's like, but that's uh, a, that was a that ticket was actually pretty pretty hilarious. And also, people like to. I mean, Tony has seen so many. We get we get notes, just like little like love notes. Uh, we get a lot of requests for things that we don't have. The ad avocado is a big one. <laughs> Greek restaurant. We're, we were talking about just adding it, just because we get so many, but. Um, <laughs> That that could be like your special not on the menu thing. There's always the articles about these are the special items that not, aren't yeah, yeah. on the menu. Well, we that do you we do get. actually have a little bit of a secret menu um, with the fact that you can order any of our sandwiches or salads Greek style, um, which is a bit of an homage to the animal style of secret right. order of In and Out. Right. Um, but we put uh, so Greek style. It just means we put. Uh, fries either in the sandwich or on top of the salad. That's uh, also f- that's also um, Pittsburgh style. It is also they Pittsburgh do that style. In Pittsburgh. That's yeah. the only other place that I've seen that. Yeah, I actually didn't think about that. Um, and, and and that is both an homage to uh, In and Out, but also traditionally uh, souvlaki and gyro. Um, in Greece, especially in Athens, is usually just actually classically served with fries in the sandwich that sounds amazing yeah i'm getting hungry (laughs) so it's the um from the caviar point of view you're trying to offer the best experience for the consumer to get exactly what they want so you have all of the input points for the notations do you make does caviar make the decision to offer all of those input points to the consumer before they find out if the restaurant is interested in having 70 different off-the-menu orders? Or is it consumer-focused? What happens? Do Tony, would you ever think about saying, can we turn this off? We, we've had to delay our times. We've turned it off a couple times when it's... Or not caviar itself, but the, 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 the notation feature, the modification We've features. talked about it. I mean, it slows us down because we want to give that guest exactly what they ordered and how they want it, essentially. Um, but we've talked a lot. You know, we're, we're also a big beta tester in the kitchen of does this work or does it not work as far as the tech and what, how people order and how they are able to get things that they want, you know, through that. Do I mean, just a general question for everybody sitting here. So much of today's technology is geared towards the consumer really crafting their entire life experience on demand exactly as they want it. They can pick exactly what food they want, how they want it, different from what's on the menu, when it's delivered. They can order things. They can watch things. Is this just the nature of what consumers want, or are we enablers of too much choice? Is it practical for a restaurant? Are there limitations? Do you ever want to just be the place that says, like in an out burger, like this is it. We got four things. You make it like this. That's it. We're done. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a function of, uh, you know, the times that we live in, in terms of this kind of on-demand um, economy. Um, and the fact is that it things- an on-demand economy or is it an on-demand lifestyle? Is this just what people expect, regardless no. of the technology? Now, I think I, I think you're right. I think it's I think it's on-demand lifestyle. Um, and Suvla is kind of an interesting case because we don't advertise um, the fact that you can have anything modified. It's not like we're out there saying you know we're it's gluten free. It's we have a big following within the paleo community, but we don't do we don't advertise that it's not listed on the menu there's no and even with the way that our that our menu is set up the setups for each of the items are pretty concrete this isn't like one of those build your own type situations these are curated menu items the lamb sandwich comes with x y and z and you can have it as a sandwich or a salad and what's been very interesting is um and has and has been beneficial i think to us is, is is just the fact that um there is actually a pretty great degree of customization. You just have to kind of look for it. So it's like if you're vegan, you wouldn't think that you'd be able to come to Suvla, which is has a, a wall of meats roasting <laughs> literally in the middle of the restaurant. But we can like we have a vegan offering that's there. If you don't eat dairy, we got you. If you are paleo, you know, no problem. The, um, those customizations would probably uh, surface much quicker utilizing caviar than they would probably standing in the restaurant. So in a weird way, if somebody's on caviar searching 
for things based on category, you might actually have an opportunity of discovery that you wouldn't necessarily have if someone was walking by your wall of meat. Potentially, I think, but I but I see caviar, you know, not only as as a, as a partner, but as an extension in the brand, and the fact that so many people that order souvla through caviar are generally people that have dined with us or do dine with us with some degree of frequency and and is actually kind of become the answer to um the sort of the 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 popularity in, in the sense that people people don't want to wait in line anymore it was actually very interesting because about you know a year or two in I kind of stopped seeing a lot of the the familiar faces that I used to see every day, especially with with our Hayes Valley restaurant, which is it's a, it's a small little neighborhood. You kind of get to know. I, I live in the neighborhood, and you know we see a lot of the same people. And I would bump into people like, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. And you kind of in your head, as as the restaurant tour, it's like, man, these people stopped stopped coming. Is there something that we're doing wrong? Is you know, did they you know what? Why did they they were here three days a week? Why do I not, do I not see them anymore? And so I kind of just casually started asking people and it's like no we just order through caviar now it's like i don't like you know your line is too long it's like i still want your food you know i don't want to i just want to wait in line this is just easier for me to get that so it's not like we didn't lose the customer we didn't didn't lose the guest it just it just shifted um which i think is is very interesting i think back to the, the the fact that people you know want what they want when they want it caviar allows us to do that you want you're you're craving souvla you don't want to get off the couch you know, um, it can be brought to you. You're sick and you want some of our Avgolemino soup, uh, which is this traditional Greek egg lemon soup, which is is mostly the reason why it's on the menu is because that's not only what I grew up eating, but it's like that's my true like comfort food right there. And there's nothing better than when you're sick. Um, I think I think the challenge is, you know, um, there there is this partnership between Suvla and Caviar. They are the exclusive provider for us. But the moment that the food gets you know is ready and marked ready that's when the the sort of shift happens um and someone is going to come and pick up your food and bring it to you and i you know the guest doesn't always understand that you know if someone is stuck in traffic or you know picking up something else you know on the way you know it they sometimes unfairly blame the restaurant and it's like well your food's here it's 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 ready. We've made it. That's a whole we're waiting, other thing. We're waiting for for your for the driver to come pick it up. And I, I honestly, I can't tell you where he or she is. Um, that's kind of what you know. That's what caviar is there for. Like, reach out to them. They, they can track that person. They can tell you where they are um, and how long it's going to be. But like, don't be. Don't be upset at us. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, well, we have your food. Gonna, it's here. They're going to be upset at you anyway. I, exactly. And, and they're going to be upset at caviar. <laughs> we're actually out of time, although we could keep talking about this for a while although now I'm getting hungry and I'm looking out at Roberta's and thinking about pizza so it's probably a good time to end I always like to end the show going around the room and asking everybody for a piece of advice that listeners can use at home so I'm going to ask everybody the same question Um, restaurant delivery services caviar if you like if you don't know what you want to eat and you don't know specifically, I want souvla, what's the best way to use it to discover something? What's the best way to find stuff in it? Because there's so much stuff in it now. There is. And, you know, something that we're working towards as a company is customization based on um, what other diners are looking for in the area and, and what's trending in the market. But I think to Tony's point earlier, the photos, you know, they really... They really help the food shine and, and set it apart. So just go based on what your eyes tell you. How about you? You sound like you're really a user on both sides of the coin there. Yeah, I'm I'm generally also pretty indecisive as far as food. And you, I think you also tend to go kind of with what you know. So a lot you go to back to the same Thai place, back to the same. So looking like carousing and browsing and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling to find, okay, maybe I'll try this. Um, and really just kind of taking that leap to trying something new. Has, have your leaps to trying something new been rewarded? Oh, yeah. Rewarded? I've gone back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. How about you, Charles? Uh, my wife and I uh, tend to order delivery through Caviar probably once a week. Um, but I, 
I maintain that most people, and certainly myself included, are, are kind of creatures of habit. Um, so I have a tendency to kind of go, I have like the same three or four restaurants kind of in uh, rotation. rotation. And yeah, I think it's, 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 and I kind of don't deviate too much from them um, as much as I, every time I kind of start out, I think that I should, I'm going to, I fire up the app and it's like, okay, I, all right, Charles, like you're going to, you're, you're going to do it. Today's the day you're going to like discover something new. And I kind of spend much like Tony quite a bit of time just like perusing through the whole situation. And I almost always end back up with like one of the three or four restaurants that I order from. So, but I think it's, it's a combination of just kind of creature of habit with, with just that. And also I think, I think, you know, people want kind of just what they want and you're in the mood for this thing, you know, I'm in the mood for X. And I think that that's, that's kind of the beauty of both caviar and the fact that they can get you the thing that you want when you want it. And it's also the beauty of Suvla because um, people just kind of crave that, that one thing, that chicken salad, that frozen Greek yogurt. Um, and, we, and we have it. Well, I'm definitely eager to try it on my next visit to San Francisco. I want to thank Charles and Tony for joining us from San Francisco from... Suvla. I want to thank Laura for joining us from Square and Caviar. It was a great episode. We have 106 other episodes available for you on demand at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can subscribe, like, and leave us a great review. If you really love Tech Bites and Heritage Radio, visit the website, click the beating heart, make a donation. We are member-powered Anything helps. The cost of a gyro sandwich, even, <laughs> would be helpful. If you designate your donation to Tech Bites, I will send you something special along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.